You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and listening to the show. I enjoy doing this every week. And last week I was on a little R and R, and so we did an archive show. But we basically need to get away for a few days from uh, the continuing saga of us recovering from the tornado damage. Uh, we're well along the way, but it's been almost three months now, and there's still a lot of work to be done. And we're going to be busy this weekend uh, with some volunteers coming in heavy with heavy equipment because uh, we've had five more trees on our property fall down since the tornado. And there are two in the front of the house, which the house has not been repaired, but they're very precarious, so they're going to need to come down. So off and on, I've had to take off and, and not do the show, and I apologize for it. But I'm sure you understand, and hopefully now I'll be back on a regular basis. And, of course, there's plenty to talk about today. Uh, the number one headline is the health care situation. And President Trump had a meeting today with the virtually everybody in the United States Senate, all the Republicans anyway. And the Democrats, of course, are going to block anything. Uh, they, they don't care if Obamacare collapses. They don't care if people go without health insurance. They don't care if premiums go so high that people can't afford them and can't afford the deductibles. All they care about is that, hey, we passed this. This is Obama's legacy, and they want it to collapse. That's the bottom line, and that's something I'm not sure the Republicans realize, is that the Democrats set Obamacare up to fail. I pointed this out back in 2009. When I did an article, actually it was a, an article that I just emailed to friends and it, it caught fire, went all over the internet, and led to the creation of my blog. And I pointed out then, that number one, that this was an unconstitutional bill. At that point, it was 1,100 pages long. It was a House bill. It ended up being 2,700 pages long. And I pointed out then, and I pointed out since, that the whole thing looked suspicious to me because I knew it couldn't work. And I knew the Democrats who passed it in secret, by the way, I mean, most of the Democrats who voted for this thing had never even read it, they knew it was going to fail. And the goal was for it to fail and bring down with it the entire U.S. health care system so the Democrats could then step in because they felt like you know, Obama was their guy, and they were, he was going to be in power for at least another seven years, and they were going to continue to control the House and the Senate for at least that long. And they were going to step in and set up a single-payer system, saying, look, we did our best, we tried to do this, but the it's just not working, so we're going to go on to socialize, full-scale socialized medicine, just like they have in Great Britain. Where, by the way, if you need to see a doctor, you may wait six months before you can get an appointment. If you need to have tests done to find out if you've got a serious disease, you may wait another six months to get that done. If you need surgery or something or treatment for something like cancer, you may never get it. That's the way socialized medicine works. That's the way the government works. Uh, They don't know what they're doing generally, and they just are in control. And you're going to have bureaucrats making decisions about your health care and about who needs to be taken care of and who doesn't. And a lot of that will be political. A lot of it will be, will be age-based. And 
So socialized medicine is a disaster everywhere it's been tried. But that's what the Democrats want. And that's their ultimate goal here. And that's what Republicans don't seem to realize, is that if Obamacare is allowed to just collapse on its own, which it ultimately will do, then the Democrats, heaven forbid, if they're back in control of Congress at that point, they're going to move to set up socialized medicine. They're going to move to take away our freedom to choose our own doctors, which Obamacare basically did anyway, and our freedom to choose what course of treatment we want to take and what we don't want to take, and the bureaucrats will be making the decisions, not the healthcare professionals, not our family members, not us, bureaucrats, faceless bureaucrats in Washington who will be making decisions on how we are taken care of by doctors and hospitals. And this is their ultimate goal. So the Republicans now, as I see it, are in a major quandary. They have been running for seven years in campaigns on promises if they were elected and Republicans got control of the House and Senate, that they would repeal Obamacare. They have repeatedly passed bills repealing Obamacare while Obama was in office. Of course, they knew full well that he was not going to sign those bills, and he was going to veto them, and they didn't have the votes to override the vetoes. Because, like I said, the Democrats, this is their strategy, failure. Failure is their option. For the Republicans, it is not an option. If the Republicans don't do something at this point, then the American people are going to be infuriated. They're already infuriated. If you look at the social media and what's going on there, Americans are going, you promised this. Why aren't you doing it? Why can't you come to an agreement? And, you know, Ron, Rand Paul has some, some good points. Ted Cruz has some good points. There are a lot of people in there that have some good points, but what I can't understand is that some of these Republicans are not even going to vote to allow this to go before the Senate and be debated. Now, when they schedule a vote, they need 50 senators to vote to bring it forward and have it debated. That doesn't pass the bill. That doesn't mean the bill is in its final stages. That opens the bill up for amendments. That opens the bill up for discussion. And then they can vote on whether or not to pass the bill that they finally come up with. And once they pass it, then it has to go to the House of Representatives for their agreement. And if they don't agree, there'll have to be conferences between members of the House and members of the Senate. So we're a long way from having a bill. But at least if they go ahead and start debating this, if they move it forward in the Senate, the American people are going to look at them and say, okay, you're finally doing something. If they fail to do that, if you have senators like Rand Paul block this, you know, like I said, I agree with some of the things he says about the bill. But this is not the final bill. If he refuses to even allow this to be debated and allow it to be amended so it may become a better bill, then Rand Paul is breaking the promise, his promise and the promise of Republicans and is setting the Republicans up to possibly lose the Senate in 2018, and maybe even the House of Representatives. People are tired of the gridlock in Washington, D.C., and they understood what was going on when the Democrats were blocking everything. 
and the Democrats continue to try to hold up Trump's appointees to his cabinet. Uh, they continue to try to block legislation like the legislation that was passed by the House of Representatives to protect the veterans' gun rights. They're holding that up in the Senate. The Democrats are. And we need to get get on their case about that. But people have seen them be obstructionist. They do not expect, and they will not tolerate, Republicans doing the same thing to their own bill, to their own promise. And that, I'm afraid, is what you have going on right now in the United States Senate. Is you have some senators, and some of them I disagree with their reasoning, some of them I don't. But they have to look at the overall picture. And that picture is that this needs to go forward so it can be debated and amended and turned into something that is palatable to the American people and stops the death spiral of Obamacare. That's the only way they can play it. I don't know how else you can say it. Republicans have to get off their butts and have to do what they have promised. And the only way that can happen is if next week, when they have a vote on moving this bill forward, if 50 Republicans vote to move it forward so it can actually be on the Senate floor to be debated. And only then, I think, will the American people say, okay, we finally see the people we elected to office doing something. And Trump came out pretty strong today, and which is interesting because he'd been sitting on the sidelines for a long time about this. But he came out pretty strong and basically told the senators pretty much what I've just been saying, that you have to do this. You don't have any choice. You promise this to the American people. You have to do it. And it would be interesting if we had even one Democratic senator come forward on this thing. But, you know, they're not doing it. They're not going to do it. They want Obamacare to collapse. They want universal health care. They want socialized medicine like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders keep calling for. So they're not going to do anything to help, even though if the Republicans successfully do something here, the Democrats who have been obstructionist on this and other legislation, important legislation, are going to go down to defeat in 2018. And the Republicans could have a end up with a majority, if they play their cards right, end up with a majority that would basically be bulletproof. The so-called cloture rule, if they get 60 votes, they don't have to have any Democratic votes to move legislation forward. But that's something else that I've been calling on Mitch McConnell to do, and certain other Republicans in the Senate have been calling on him to do the same thing. And this is what I think you ought to be writing and calling your senators about, particularly the third Republican senators. Call them and tell them to do away with the cloture rule. Now, what is that rule? Well, that's a rule that was to replace a traditional filibuster where a senator or several senators could get on the floor of the Senate and keep talking and talking and talking and pass it off to the next person who would talk and talk to block something from coming to a vote. Well, they decided to make, the senators decided to make it more civilized, quote unquote, and to set it up so that any senator can invoke cloture, which means that 60 senators have to vote to even allow any legislation to come before the Senate for discussion, for debate. 
Now, they're avoiding this on the health care bill by doing something they call reconciliation. But you can only do that occasionally. And we have bills like the ones passed by the House on the VA, on the veterans, to protect the Second Amendment rights of veterans who are still losing their rights. And you have that bill that is not going to be voted on because the Democrats are not going to allow it to go forward. At least that's the way it appears at this point. You've got the same thing is going to happen on tax reform. You've got the same thing is going to happen on virtually anything that the Republicans in the Senate pass. Unless Mitch McConnell does what he has legal power and authority to do, and that is say, we're going to go back to the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't require 60 votes to pass something in the Senate. The Constitution just requires a majority. And that's the way it should be for the American people, because if it's any other way, then our votes don't count. Two Republican senators in Texas' votes don't mean anything. The two Republican Democratic votes in California do, because basically a handful of Democratic senators can control what goes before the Senate. And that's not the way it was supposed to work. Let's take our first break. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The next thing I'd like to talk about today is the collusion-treason dichotomy that we have going on. But first, before that, I need to to say something about the Senate campaign of Kid Rock. I don't know about you, but I find this hysterical, particularly the Democrat reaction to it. 
I mean, here we have a music star in Detroit, Michigan, and I, I don't know much about the guy. And I don't know much about pop music at all these days. But he is a libertarian, he says, which generally means that he is fiscally conservative and maybe more liberal on social issues. And he's announced that he's going to run against a incumbent liberal Democrat in the state of Michigan in 2018 for the United States Senate. Now, that's incredible. I mean, who is this guy? He came out of nowhere. Everybody thinks he's doing it as a publicity stunt, or a lot of people do. Uh, nobody thinks he has a chance of winning. But does that sound familiar? Didn't, in 2016, Donald Trump do the same thing? Basically come out of nowhere? Was a, considered a joke? Didn't have a chance of winning, according to all of the pundits and the news media. Hillary Clinton thought he was a joke, didn't take him seriously or his campaign. And he won. And one of the reasons he won was because he carried the state of Michigan for the Republicans for the first time since 1988. We're talking many years ago, folks. Many presidential elections since Michigan has gone Republican for the president. Now we have this nobody according to the Democrats, who is running in Michigan as a Republican to replace a liberal Democrat. And the left is terrified. They're going nuts. Elizabeth Warren is screaming and hollering about, we have to take this guy seriously. We can't underestimate him. Bernie Sanders is doing the same thing. Chuck Schumer is apolitic about it. You know, he doesn't, he didn't know what to do. He just knows that a seat that they thought was safe. I mean, it was in the blue state of Michigan, part of the blue wall that Hillary Clinton relied on to elect her as president, and which quickly collapsed around her ears. But this is a supposedly solid blue state, a safe Senate seat, because the Democrats have a lot of Senate seats that are vulnerable come 2018. They have 24 seats coming up. The Republicans only have 10. And only one of them is considered even slightly vulnerable. That's the one in Nevada. But the Democrats have seats like places like Missouri and other states that went solidly for Donald Trump. And they're very concerned. And now you have this upstart, this rock star, come out of nowhere and I mean they see him as a villain <laughs> excuse me not just because he's running against a Democrat icon but they see him as a villain because how dare he he is a celebrity all of the celebrities as far as the Democrats are concerned are supposed to be elitist and they're supposed to be liberal Democrats they're all smarter than we are, remember? We're the unwashed masses. We're too dumb to handle our own financial affairs. The Democrats need to do that for us. The government needs to take care of us. We're too dumb to be allowed to have free speech. 
and freedom of religion because we don't say things that the Democrats, the elitists, agree with. And we certainly cannot be trusted or allowed to own firearms to protect our families and even protect us against the government, ultimately. Kid Rock doesn't seem to be falling into this category. He doesn't seem to be, well, he's obviously not a liberal elitist. He's somebody who's going to stand up for the American people. And he talked about, in his first little campaign blurb, he talked about work hard, pay your taxes, and you can overcome whatever the government tries to do. Just be true to yourself, basically, is what he's saying. And boy, the liberals are going nuts. I think it would be hysterical if this guy ultimately wins. But we shall see. In the meantime, the mainstream news media continues in their hysteria over Russia and the Russian interference in the United States elections and the alleged collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign and the Trump family. And the, according to several senators, the treason committed by people like Donald Trump Jr. for daring to have a meeting with somebody from the Russian government, who it turned out wasn't really from the Russian government, but somebody who claimed to have dirt on Hillary Clinton. Now, number one, what exactly does collusion mean? Well, collusion means working with somebody in tandem to gain something, to win an election, to get a contract, to put together a big program of some kind. The definition of collusion does not say that it is in any way a crime or in any way treasonous. Now, they have been trying now for months to find out if some type of crime was committed by Donald Trump, including with the Russians, and now with Donald Trump Jr. Well, let me say this. Donald Trump Jr. made a stupid move by agreeing to this meeting at all. And then he should have just come out after it started to unravel and say, well, this is what happened, this is why it happened, uh, you know, that's the end of it. Instead, they kept changing the stories, and it made him look bad. And it looks ill-advised, but that's not a crime. Nothing that allegedly occurred at that meeting can in any way be construed as a crime. I mean, do you think Democrats don't go out and try to find dirt on their opponents? Not only do they go out and try to find dirt on them, they'll make it up if they can't find any. And with the help of the national news media, they'll come out with all kinds of stories that are, are fake news. And this has been happening over and over again with Donald Trump. And now with members of his family. Ivanka Trump is Donald Trump's daughter. And she's married to Jared Kushner, one of his advisors. Now, the Democrats are demanding that she and Jared both lose their top-secret security clearance 
which they have to have to work in the White House, even though their dad's the president. Why? Because they say, well, they colluded. They colluded with the Russians. First of all, there's no evidence that there was that, that much in the way of collusion. I mean, like I said, the meeting between Donald Trump Jr. and this Russian lawyer. I mean, she happened to be a lawyer. She happened to be Russian. But she claimed she was not representing the Russian government. There's no indication that she was. She didn't supply what supposedly she was going to supply at the meeting. And that was dirt on Hillary Clinton. I mean, they really didn't need it. That's another reason they didn't take this meeting, because Hillary Clinton was piling dirt on herself during the whole campaign. But there's no crime here. And if there is no crime, they should not even be spending all this time investigating it. But you've got all kinds of investigations going on. You've got a special prosecutor, a special counsel, I should say, appointed, uh, Bob Mueller. And, you know, they, it's just on and on. And you have all of these reports coming out from the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN, all involving unnamed sources. Well, so-and-so, who we think or we claim is an official of the U.S. government, either current official or former official, told us this. And they quoted from a document that we've never seen, and we don't know is real, but we're going to record it as if it is, because it's something that we can use against Donald Trump. So you don't have a crime. You've had six months of investigation so far, no evidence that anybody's committed a crime. And then you have idiots like... Tim Kaine, who was a Democrat candidate for vice president under Hillary Clinton, who comes out and says Donald Trump Jr. is guilty of treason. Well, I thought during the campaign this guy was pretty stupid. But, I mean, I didn't. I thought at least the man had read the Constitution since he'd been serving in the United States Senate, and he took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. But obviously he hadn't read the Constitution, or if he has, he doesn't understand it. Because he calls for Donald Trump to be charged with treason. Well, first of all, the definition of treason in the Constitution deals with giving aid and comfort to our enemies in time of war, or fighting in a war against our own government. Last I heard... And, of course, I'm, I'm just a stupid member of the unwashed masses. I don't understand things the way that the liberal elitists do. And the guys at CNN, guys and girls at CNN and the Washington Post. But I don't remember us going to war with Russia. I don't think we're about to go to war with Russia. At least hopefully not. So how can Donald Trump Jr. have committed treason? First of all, he wasn't a government official at the time he had this meeting. He was the son of somebody running for president. He didn't provide any aid and comfort to the enemy. They were supposed to give him information. He didn't offer to give them any. So where does this stupidity about treason come in? Well, it comes in because the liberals are hysterical. And they're going to come up with anything they can to attack Donald Trump. And they're going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing 
using fake sources, anonymous sources, people that don't exist, documents that don't exist, until the American people say enough is enough. And stop reading the New York Times, stop reading the Washington Post, stop supporting their sponsors, people who sponsor them, and just say, you know what, we're going to make our own decisions. We're not going to allow the people in Hollywood or the elitist in the New York Times or the Washington Post to tell us what we have to think, what we have to believe, and what we have to do. Because that's their bottom line. Let's take our second break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Collusion. Isn't that a neat word? Collusion implies a crime if it's committed for nefarious purposes. No such purposes have been uncovered as far as Donald Trump goes. As far as Donald Trump or Donald Trump Jr. or anybody else, the idea of calling it treason is a mockery of the Constitution. It is a mockery of the seriousness of of possible treason. Now, if you want to see collusion that is, in fact, involving a crime, all we have to look at is that socialist icon, that fighter for the people, 
for justice for the people, for equality for the people, for income equality, Bernie Sanders. The darling of the far left during a recent campaign for president, and in some ways still is, somebody who decries the wealthy, while at the same time goes out and buys a $600,000 vacation home to go with his two other homes. He didn't donate $600,000 to help the poor. He didn't donate $600,000 to buy housing for disabled veterans or to help build some housing. He goes out and he buys a vacation home. And then he rambles on about how he believes in socialism and equality and the government ought to pay for everything. It ought to pay for free college tuition. The government needs to pay for uh, free health care. And everybody needs to get a guaranteed income from the government etc., etc., etc. Now, while all this is going on, his wife, Jane, is running a private college in the state of Vermont, and she is trying to expand it, and she commits what is alleged and looks like from the proof I've seen is, in fact, bank fraud in trying to get a multimillion-dollar loan for this college so it can buy some land and move its location. And she claims that she has all these backers that are going to put up the money to pay back the loan. It turns out that apparently none of these backers existed. The loan was not paid back. And when the college collapses, she gets hundreds of thousand dollars in severance pay a golden parachute. So she makes a whole lot of money off of something that is apparently fraudulent. And by the way, Bernie was not ignorant of this because he helped her secure the loan. Uh, he used his political influence to try to get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, that is collusion. That is collusion in the commission of a crime. And we're not even hearing about that. Just like we're now hearing about Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee colluding with the Russian government through an intermediary, uh, this corporation, GPS Fusion it was called, that was in fact a Democratic Party front, and hired someone, a former... British intelligence operative to meet with the Russians and to prepare a dossier on Donald Trump and his dealing with the Russians. A dossier that turned out to be totally false. Now that is collusion with the intention of committing a crime. Anytime that you create a document and claim it is true and it turns out to be totally false, you can be caused, charged with lying to further the conspiracy. You can be charged with conspiracy. And that's what happened here. Because the Democrats lied about their involvement 
and even after it's been publicized, the media still doesn't acknowledge it existed. But that's collusion. Now, the idea that they were digging, trying to dig up dirt on a political opponent was not a crime. And if they colluded with the Russian government or Russian hackers or whoever to dig up that dirt, that is not a crime. And nobody should be prosecuted for that. But if they did it in order to falsify documents, to falsify information, then that could possibly be considered a crime. The bottom line is we have collusion out there between Hillary Clinton, the Democratic National Committee, and the Russians. And then we have out-and-out bank fraud committed by Jane Sanders and her husband, Bernie. All these people should be prosecuted if they have, in fact, committed a crime. But the idea that any of them committed treason by any of these actions, that's ridiculous. Just like it's ridiculous that Donald Trump Jr. is guilty of treason. Oh, by the way, another form of collusion that uh, people probably don't know about because it's never been reported by the media, is the fact that uh, while Secretary of State, while she was Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton opposed a bill before Congress to sanction Russia for human rights violations. Basically, the Russians, for one of the things they had done was they had stopped allowing American families to adopt orphan Russian children in a way to put pressure on Obama for uh, doing things that they didn't like. So the United States Congress was going to sanction the Russians, and Hillary Clinton came in and vehemently opposed such sanctions. Now, why would she be doing that? It might have something to do with the fact that a few weeks later, her husband was scheduled to make a speech, and did in fact make a speech, in Moscow to a Russian government and banking group and he was paid $500,000 for that speech. Half a million dollars. That, ladies and gentlemen, is collusion. We also know that during her tenure as Secretary of State, Hillary helped arrange for the sale of American uranium to the Russians, which under Tim Kaine's standards is treason. I mean, you're selling uranium to our enemy and providing aid and comfort. So by Tim Kaine's standards, that should definitely be treason, but it's not. Because again, we're not at war with Russia. Now, Hillary Clinton did this for a specific reason, and that was to try to help raise money for her campaign and for her foundation, because she got contributors from all over for her foundation by providing access to the Secretary of State's office for a price called pay for play. And she intended to do the same thing if she was elected president, 
and that's why so much foreign money flowed into her campaign, which, by the way, is illegal. But Obama did it, and Clinton did it, so they, you know, they're getting way away with it all these years. They're not supposed to collect money from foreign contributors for presidential campaign or any kind of federal campaign in this country. But the Democrats routinely do it. And Hillary Clinton collected money for the Clinton Foundation. And by the way, I'm, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist ordinarily, but, uh, you know, and I've, I've heard for years about the deaths that are attributed to people who oppose Hillary Clinton, oppose Bill Clinton, people who were going to uh, accuse them of crimes or had proof of crimes. And, you know, I've, I've found some of the things suspicious, but nothing really conclusive until now. The Haitian official, former government official, the island nation of Haiti, was the Minister of Development at the Italy Development Agency after the disastrous Haitian earthquake, trying to rebuild the country, was working with the Clinton Foundation. This was a major project of the Clinton Foundation. They went in and raised millions of dollars from all over the world. And according to this official, less than 1%, in fact, just a little over half a percent of that money, ever went to help the Haitian people. A lot of it was used to bribe government officials, but most of it was used for other projects that the Clintons had in mind, projects that would benefit their corporation or benefit them, or benefit their foundation, I should say, or benefit them. There was a hearing scheduled today, as a matter of fact, where this Haitian official was supposed to testify before what amounts to a Ethics Commission and Fraud Commission in Haiti, a government commission and committee. He was supposed to testify about all this. He told friends of his that he feared for his life because of what he was about to do. And lo and behold, last week he is found dead in a Miami hotel from a gunshot wound to the head. Now, Miami police quickly said, oh, well, this is a suicide. Was it? Draw your own conclusions, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not as dumb as the Democrats and the liberals would like for me to be. If I was investigating this, I would be highly suspicious that this was, in fact, a murder to make it look like a suicide because of who the victim was, and what he was about to do, and who he was about to do it to. That's the type of thing that needs to be looked into by the police much more extensively. I don't know if the Clintons really had any involvement in it. I can't prove it at this point. I'll leave it for you to think about it. But I'll tell you what, from the standpoint of a, being a former military intelligence officer, from the standpoint of being a former attorney, practicing attorney, not just in constitutional law, but other areas of the law, this smells, as far as I'm concerned. Let's take our final break. 
Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, have you heard about the fairness tax? And this is what I want to talk about towards the end of the program here. This is a new, not really a new liberal concept, it's just sort of a new name for an old liberal concept, to share the wealth, uh, to take money from hardworking people, to earn the money and give that to people who don't want to work or who are here illegally or who don't make as much money as their neighbor. Just haven't been successful. And this is division of wealth. Now it's being called a fairness tax and it has emerged as a sort of a test case in the liberal, ultra-liberal city of Seattle which is in a very liberal state, Washington. And Seattle has, has been famous for a lot of stupid stuff lately. First of all, they passed, passed very restrictive gun control legislation through both the Washington legislature and Seattle City Council. And Seattle adopted the $15 per hour minimum wage that's being phased into existence which, by the way, is already being proved to be a disastrous failure. What's happening is that businesses, because it, this mostly affects the fast food industry or the food industry as a whole, restaurants and bars and that sort of thing, people are being laid off from those jobs. The businesses can't afford to pay them the wages that the government says they have to pay them. So they're either laying them off or they're cutting their hours. 
in a lot of places like McDonald's are going more to the uh, the robotics where they replace a person with a what amounts to a machine to take to do things like take and process orders. One city, St. Louis, Missouri, has already realized how bad this is for business and how restaurants are going out of business and businesses are moving out of the city to other locations because they can't handle this. So they've already cut back. they scaled back by $2 an hour, their minimum wage. But not in Seattle. Seattle is the, the bright icon of socialism. And they want to take Seattle and they want to turn it into socialist paradises. And they look to socialist paradises in Venezuela, in Cuba, in North Vietnam, or no, it's not Vietnam. And they say, we want to be like them. They ignore the fact that in Venezuela people are starving to death, that there are riots going on all the time, that the government is shutting down all vestiges of freedom, that people are being gunned down on the streets, they're being arrested without charge, hell without charge, without being able to see an attorney. But this is socialism. And this is what the Bernie Sanders wing of the party and Elizabeth Warren wing of the party want for this country. Despite the fact that socialism has been a failure, everywhere it has been tried over the more than a century, it has always failed. And it usually has failed after the people in those countries suffer mightily from the socialist policies. But that's what they want, and that's what they want in Seattle. So they have adopted the minimum wage law, and now they have something different. They have decided that, you know what, if you're making more money than we think you ought to be making, it doesn't matter if you're working harder than anybody else around you. If you come up with successful innovations for your business that nobody else has, and you're making some money, that you need to be punished for that because the illegal immigrants that live down the street from you are two blocks over. We need more money to take care of them so that they don't have to work and so that they can stay in hiding from ICE and not be deported simply because they're here illegally or because they've committed other crimes since they've been here. So we need money to protect them. And we need money to keep people on welfare and keep them happy and supported so they will continue to vote for Democrats. So how are they going to do that, listen, Seattle? Well, they're going to violate their own state constitution. They're going to violate several state statutes. And they've done something that voters have voted against over and over for years. Seattle has created a fairness tax. This is not a... a a tax to support highways or support bridges or support education. This is a tax to take away money from successful people and give that money to people that are not so successful. It's a hefty tax, 2.25% on any individual making over $250,000 a year and on any couple making over $500,000 a year. That money is just going to be stripped away from them, 
and used by the well, we don't know what the council is going to use it for. Uh, they just they just want to have it. They want to have it so they can redistribute it. It's part of the old income redistribution scheme that Democrats have come up with for years. Of course, this type of thing wouldn't apply to Bernie Sanders or Jane Sanders or the Clintons. They're exempt from that sort of thing. This has angered the people in Seattle, even some of the leftists, the liberals, so much that the Republicans in Seattle are actually talking about civil disobedience, about people just absolutely refusing to pay this tax. Because it is unconstitutional under the state constitution. It does violate state laws. And it does throw out the votes of the people of Seattle that have voted against this numerous times. But this is the way the liberals play the game. So we have the fairness tax. We have the minimum wage. And we have members of Congress wanting socialized health care and idiots like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Facebook, coming out and saying the government is required, should be required to pay everybody a certain amount of money every, every year, a living wage, he calls it, even if they don't work, not because they're disabled or not because they can't work, but simply don't want to work. That means you and I, who work for a living, are going to have to start paying people not to work for a living. Well, this has been, they've been doing this in California for years. And we see the state of the California economy right now. I mean, you've got states and cities around the country, and not just in the country, but like Puerto Rico. You've got the state of Illinois. You've got the state of California. You've got the state of Oregon. You've got New York City and the state of New York, on the verge of bankruptcy. And what do these places all have in common? They're all controlled by left-wing Democrats. So the chances of their recovering, as long as that's happening, are slim and none. And these are the same places, like the city of New Orleans, that are telling people you cannot revere your ancestors we're not going to have a statue of Robert E. Lee or Jefferson Davis or even a local hero, uh, PT, BGT, Beauregard. You're not going to be allowed to see those. We're going to take those down. We're going to hide them from you. We're going to tell you what you can think, tell you what you can believe, tell you what, what we want you to like and not to like. I'm fed up. I love the city of New Orleans. I grew up part of the time in New Orleans. I used to go down there to New Orleans from LSU and Baton Rouge. We'd go down from Mardi Gras. We'd go down there because one of my favorite Irish pubs in the world was in New Orleans until after Katrina. I love that city. I revere that city, but I won't go back to that city now. I'm not going to go to the city where they tell me that my ancestry is meaningless. And not only that, my ancestry is evil. I had people fight on both sides of the Civil War. They were Americans. My great-great-great-grandfather on my mother's side was a 
22-year-old school teacher from Alabama. He didn't own his slaves. I don't know if he believed in slavery or not, but he fought for his state. And he was killed at Gettysburg. So don't tell me what I can believe and don't tell me who I can revere. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, go to my website at www.michaelconnolly.jigsy.com. I'm going to start trying to get more articles up on my blog now that we're recovering from the tornado that hit us almost three months ago. And I need to sell books. Uh, you can buy copies of all my books through the blog, or you can get them on Amazon, or you can get them on Barnes & Noble. as e-books on Barnes & Noble, a lot of them. And you can also order copies of my booklet. You can get it online. as a notebook. You can get my book on the Constitution as a notebook or as a Kindle on Amazon. And you can get the book about my dad's unit in World War II, The Mortarman, which has become a bestseller. And maybe the subject of a documentary this summer that they're talking about doing. And you can also get my copy of my new novel, The Rag, my patriotic novel that the liberals hate and are attacking constantly on Amazon. So thank you for having me on today. I look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, based on what is coming up this next week, we'll have a lot to talk about then. So have a good week, and, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.